more money is not always going to lead to more happiness. You know, it's not going to lead to better outcomes. It's not going to lead to, you know, being kind of the best version of yourself at work. Welcome back to Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast from Koros. You are looking for the next step toward creating a connected customer experience. And this is the place to learn from industry peers and leaders how to build a CX strategy with human connection so that you can create customers for life. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Titans of Customer Engagement podcast presented by Koros. I'm Natanya Anderson, Vice President of Customer Solutions. And today I'm excited to be talking with Nate Jaffe, Head of Strategy at Praytel. Praytel is an agency with offices in Austin, New York, San Francisco, and LA. They take data and cultural insights and turn them into strategic plans that drive business impact and creative storytelling that inspires humans. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Great. Well, let's just dive right in. I am really interested in how you got to the role that you have today. I feel like in today's world and customer experience in particular, everybody's journeys are far from linear. So tell me how you got here. Yeah. So it, it's very true. It's super winding path. I graduated. I mean, I'll, I'll take it back to the beginning, I guess. Graduated in a recession and a very old recession, like a 2001, 2000. 2001 recession, the first kind of like dot-com crash and had to get really creative. I wound up being a writer out of college and it actually was, you know, kind of fortuitous, like the early internet, there was a lot of, you know, new publishers happening and stuff. And so I wound up like writing about music and then basketball, realized I wasn't going to write for the New Yorker, but really actually loved marketing as sort of a side, you know, industry that I, I learned was really interesting to me and got a job at a basketball sneaker company called And One doing international marketing for them. And, you know, from there kind of learned brand marketing and content marketing and 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 one was really known for like the and one mixtape tour which which there's a tv show on espn about kind of in the mid aughts for a while early to mid aughts yeah and it was kind of one of the early like content branded content you know like series that sort of fused different things and then anyway that was that was something that i you know due to my imposter syndrome i wound up going to business school after that because i just sort of felt like you know didn't know anything really about marketing and, and needed to you know spend a quarter of a million dollars to learn about it Formal way. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so so business school, all, all good, good experience, and wound up doing brand management at Pepsi in in Purchase, New York. Worked on the Mountain Dew brand for a while, and some of the innovation projects there, and then you know was at after Pepsi was at Puma uh, doing strategy. And then this is kind of where it gets, you know, a little weird and not really nonlinear is, is, you know, decided I kind of was, was tired of, of big companies. I'd sort of been at, at, you know, these bigger companies for a while, really wanted to do the startup thing, actually moved to, to Austin, Texas and, and joined a company called Mass Relevance, which is actually, yeah, like a, a early company that, that spread fast and Kuros, you know, acquired. And, you know, I'd spent about 18 months or so, you know, I joined when we were 10 or 12 people. That was a great ride. Loved kind of that growth stage of the company and and wanted to. But I also realized, to be honest, and I'm actually curious your experience here, also coming from kind of a big brand and, and moving mm -hmm. into a technology company, that like marketing a technology company was very different than marketing like a CPG brand, right? Or, or 
you know, footwear and apparel. And, oh, yeah, and, totally. Yeah. And and so then, you know, decided, well, you know what, actually, I kind of want to go back to the brand side, but want to move into the agency world. It was something I hadn't done. And I always kind of felt like the agencies I worked with, like, got to do the fun stuff, you know? <laughs> when I was, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so, you know, fortunately, a guy that I, I had worked with very closely at Pepsi named Andy Prey, he was, a you know, an executive at a, at a New York City PR firm, and he had this kind of vision to start his own agency, kind of based on the notion that, you know, media channels are kind of converging and and PR and kind of brand comms needs to sort of speak social and digital and not just sort of traditional PR. He had this incredible vision. And I convinced him to basically let me open the Austin office and like start a strategy department. And that was in 2013. And, and we were, I think I was like the 12th or 13th employee at the time. Yeah. And so we're, we're about 160 people now at Pretel. You know, I've got about 16 people in Austin. So I've got to grew grew that office a little bit. And yeah, here I am today talking to you. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of takeaways for me in that. Don't be afraid to pivot. <laughs> Don't be afraid to try new things. And I think it's also interesting when you got to places and you learned what you had to learn, you were willing to say, okay, I think I want to go do something else. And, and I appreciate that the job market in which, and, and the industry in which we work is really accepting of, oh, I was at this big CPG company, but now I want to go do tech a little bit. And maybe now I want to work for an agency. And so I think the big takeaway for me is there's the possibilities are sort of endless if you're willing to take the step to try something new. So I really appreciate your appreciate that that backstory. I hope somebody who's trying to figure out their next step gets a little something out of that as, as we all emerge back into the real world. So, you know, as we think about customer experience, especially given all the places that you've been, right? You have a really broad sort of set of information experiences. I wonder if you have some ideas around a common belief that people hold that you just disagree with. You're like, hey, I really am not on board with this sort of regular thinking about any topic on your mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those. I kind of love those. I like, <laughs> naturally find myself just like disagreeing with, with that. <laughs> I mean, one, and this is, this is a controversial one, I guess. I well, it's actually not that controversial in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot of controversial things these days. But, you know, the idea of like bringing your whole self to work. I actually think like, uh, I, I don't, you know, there's a lot about me that like people don't, I don't need to subject people to at work. You know? <laughs> Nothing terrible. That's great. You know, I'm kind of neurotic. I, you know, I could be sarcastic and cynical and stuff. And I think like at, at, at work, actually, like in some ways, you know, at least work-wise, it's like the best, the best version of myself. I try to keep myself on like, you know, the being the best version of myself, I guess. And so I, I think that that's kind of important because I think there's also a certain amount of like, we should hold each other to, to kind of a higher standard at work, mm -hmm. you know? And and I think like be able to have those conversations that, you know, hold each other accountable that I think is is not necessarily the case, like, you know, with, with when you're palling around with your friends or, you know, hanging out and stuff. So. Mm hmm no, I think that's totally fair. I feel compelled to go to my team Slack channel and drop it in and say, so should I bring less of my whole self? <laughs> <laughs> we're, a, we're a very uh, open and collaborative team. And I, I feel like I would get some some honest truths there. But, you know, I, I think it's been interesting, particularly like you and I are both like if people could see us having this conversation from our homes. And, you know, I, I think it's been really interesting during this time to figure out how do you set boundaries around you and work, especially because if like for me, I was commuting before and now my commute is let me walk from the kitchen into my office. And I think it becomes really interesting. How do we figure out who we bring to work and what I leave in this room versus what I leave out there? And I think it's, it's, there's a lot of consideration there as, as we all try to figure out how this works going forward. And I appreciate you 
you um, sort of willing to be a little bit vulnerable about all this. So I'm just going to push you right like down that path since, since you're willing to go there. I'm a big proponent of the idea that we learn as much or more from failure as we do from success. And so I wonder if you'd be interested in sharing with us any sort of things that didn't go like you planned when you were working on a customer engagement or in your work life or in whatever, like, like what didn't go like it was supposed to? And what did you do with that? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, there's like micro failures every day, you know, just like a meeting doesn't start until you, you know, someone forgets to unmute themselves, right? And that's sort of thing that, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're just constantly dealing with. I was, you know, one of the big ones, honestly, though, that comes to mind is making career decisions for money. And I know that, you know, like everyone's kind of looking for either looking for a new job or curious about a new job or sort of pondering, you know, what, what they really want to do and stuff like that. And, and I've made that mistake of, you know, when I left Pepsi, it was it was, you know, for a great opportunity. But a lot of that opportunity was kind of defined by like, wow, it makes so much more money. And that really kind of, I think, clouded me to some of the things that I could have I should have seen, you know, that maybe not everywhere is the right fit, right? Like we're not all mm -hmm. superhuman. There's all, you know, when you kind of walk into a new job, there's certain things like if there are problems, do I have decision-making authority to fix them, right? Do I have, you know, can I can I actually resolve some of the, the underlying issues? And so I think it's a mistake I'll never make again. It's just kind of making a big career decision based on, primarily based on money and kind of letting that blind me because I think more money is not always going to lead to more happiness. You know, it's not going to lead better outcomes. It's not going to lead to, you know, being kind of the best, best version of yourself at work and not super customer experience related, but, but I will say it's kind of a macro thing that has stuck with me. Mm -hmm. No, totally. I had a very similar experience. And every time there's this opportunity to consider a new opportunity, if money is what's leading the way, I'm lucky that my spouse and I hold each other really accountable about those things so that when we get, and, and when one of us feels like the other one is chasing money, we're able to say, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Is this just about the money? But you kind of have to learn that one the hard way a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think it's also true in customer experience too, right? Because sometimes we make decisions and in marketing, like I feel like in marketing, we make decisions all the time that are about the quick win, right? Like we're trying to make a splash. We're trying to make a buzz in customer experience. We're trying to outrun a competitor or really just sort of jump on something that customers need. And I think, I think that can even be extrapolated into to those spaces around don't necessarily go for the easier, the big, there may be then other opportunities that you're missing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as we think about this idea of being a little bit different lessons learned. Is there anything that's happened inside your company or with your team that you tried and were surprised by the result of? That's a great question. Let's see. I would say something that we tried that we're surprised by the result of, you know, I think that we've gone into a few different kind of buzzwordy businesses, you know, kind of service offerings that mm -hmm. felt like we needed to do it because it's what's happening in the industry and it's you know an extension of of our you know core offering and it makes sense because lots of people are talking about it and we think we can do it and in reality i think there's a lot of expertise that's required you know and and just to give an example right it's like sort of ai and predictive analytics right and that that's a space that yeah. we've been we've really kind of been investing a lot of time learning about that i think you know we've we've done some things that that i think looking back on we probably wouldn't have made the same investments on you know in part because we didn't appreciate the 
technical sophistication and kind of the knowledge and the subject matter expertise. And it's not just one person or two people that you really have to be able to do across a team and embed in the organization and get buy-in from other departments in the organization to sort of utilize. And I think that sort of kind of chasing after what's what's there today, it really needs to be part of like a strategic plan and a, you know, a real vision and, and being okay with the, you know, failure and knowing that, that it's important to kind of fail fast, right? And mm-hmm. rather know when to pull the plug on something that maybe isn't a core offering and just be really honest about is this working? Is this not working? Even setting up kind of third parties inside the organization to keep you in check as far as is this actually working? Or just do we want it to work so badly that we're finding all the right signals to make it think that it's really working? Right. No, and I think that's such an important lesson. As we think about customer experience, it's while not new and fresh like a year old, it's still a relatively new discipline and a relatively new set of ideas. And it's new to a lot of organizations. And I think this willingness to try and, but also this need to to think about what you're doing and be intentional. But I love this idea of not being afraid to walk away, not being afraid to pull the plug if it's just not working, because that's sort of the equivalent of throwing good money after bad, because people are the same or more than the investment that you're making. And I think sometimes we all get so attached because we're like, there's so much ego in, okay, if I say that this is a failure, then I failed versus just saying like, hey, it's not working for us. Let's do something else with these really smart people and all these resources that we've got and try again. So being willing to experiment, I think is so critical. Absolutely. Yeah. The learning is really kind of where the value is in many cases, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that's what's so fascinating about this space. And one of the reasons I I truly enjoy being in it is the work's not the same most days and most hours of every day. And I walk away every day having learned so much. And I see that from all of our customers, right? Like the learnings, I, I just finished judging our Koros Kudos Awards. And it was amazing to see all the things that our customers are learning. Like it's for me, it's really exciting. So, you know, I think that's part of the reason we do the work. You know, thinking about then learning and and what's working and what's not working. Is there a resource or tool or channel that you think people could be getting more out of in today's world, right? What what are they not taking advantage of that's out there for them? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. And I I love that question because I think so much of marketing today, you know, we, we sort of, chased after things, but you know, there's a lot of tried and true things. I mean, like email marketing is an obvious one, right? A lot of great businesses kind of built on, on email marketing and, and you know, your, your customer list and stuff. You know, another one that's sort of, I think, overlooked that I recently just realized, you know, it's it's wonderful is honestly, this is an old one, but Twitter lists. And I was actually using Koros. We, we had an assignment. We're doing, you know, research into a pretty wonky topic, you know, about sort of in the oceanography space. And, and it was like a deep dive thing. And we wound up doing a bunch of social listening on, on Koros and just finding folks that literally had oceanographer in their bio, right? And and pulling a list and then kind of trying to just listen, right, into those conversations that they're having to really kind of understand what they're talking about, the topics, the and really it was great because we pulled out some great insights. But then the fun part of it, you know, was was that, you know, not just kind of the value add for the product and being able to listen, but also, you know, I created this Twitter list out of what I got from from Koros. And, you know, there's like hundreds of people, like oceanographers that follow this oceanography Twitter list that I made. And so there's like this, this nice kind of thing that's super random that I have like an oceanography Twitter list, but I you know, to appreciate it both for kind of the work that, that it helped us with and the insights that we were able to glean from it, but then also just kind of adding value to this community, right? Online, that there's a first mm-hmm. them that we sort of accidentally made. I love that. I love this one so much. And today I learned there are Twitter lists about oceanography. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a little bit of everything that's old is new again. And it can be really easy to go chasing after whatever the latest shiny object is. But it turns out that there's still some tools out there that serve us well. It just may be in new ways, right? And so I 
I love this story so much. It makes me want to go revisit Twitter lists <laughs> and see what's out more for discovery, less than creation, right? Yeah. Like who else is making really interesting Twitter lists? And because I think in today's world, there's, there's so much content, so little time that I rely on experts to help me discover new resources and new opportunities. And I think that's an opportunity that businesses and brands have, just like you talked about, right? Like how can we be quite frankly of service uh, to our customers and, and to our peers in the world by simply being a good curator, right? Of information, because it, it's, there's so much of it out there right now. Totally. Totally. So, you know, as we think about shiny objects and all the things that people can possibly do, and we talked about what people could be doing that they're not doing. Is there anything out there that people are doing that you think they should just stop doing? I mean, I'm so exhausted by hot takes. I like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's sort of like a thing that, that I love Twitter and the hot take culture that kind of started on Twitter and like, you know, mm-hmm. on Twitter natively. I feel like it's just destroying our ability to kind of communicate nuance and appreciate mm-hmm. subtlety and that sort of thing. And I can appreciate a good Twitter thread, which is sort of, you know, the antithesis, like a bit of a deep dive. But the hot takey nature of so many things today, it just kind of like breaks my brain. And I just want everyone to like stop <laughs> it. I just, I just. <laughs> That's totally fair. I bet if we spent a little time, we could find some neuroscience that would tell us why it breaks our brain, yeah. you know, and that just goes back to there's so much to consume and so little time to consider. So, and I feel like I agree, things like that really, really have an impact. And so sort of thinking about all the conversation that we've had today, I wonder what's the best piece of customer engagement advice you've ever received that you have to share? Oh, that's so horrible that you have to warn us against it. Mm, That's a great question. I mean, I think that, you know, there is one of, you know, kind of customer, customer experience advice. And actually it's, it's really kind of like a a credo of of our agency, pray tell, you know, we say that we, we work with brands that matter and clients that get it. And I think the, the customer, you know, sort of experience or customer service side of that is clients that get it. Right. And there's this inference and it kind of pushes back against the idea that the customer is always right, which, you know, I think is a bit of a, a myth in the sense that it's the right attitude to have, but you know, it's not true, right? The customer is not always right. And I think, you know, thinking about it, we've sort of developed that, that credo of, of working with clients that get it in the sense that it is a partnership, right? And I think the healthiest sort of customer experiences are that way and that and that you can kind of enter in, you know, from our side, we are are dedicated to, you know, providing great service, to working our butts off, to hustling, to, you know, being proactive, to, to really listening and being thoughtful and, and kind of bringing our expertise for, for our clients to the table. And at the same time, you know, we also expect them to understand that, look, you know, there are sometimes things don't always go right, you know, and plans don't work out the way we want them to all the time. And then as long as we are, you know, working hard, you know, doing everything we can do, communicating clearly, being proactive, you know, kind of going above and beyond that at the end of the day, it's okay to push back on a customer, you know, to, to, to draw a line and to say no, and, and to, to kind of engage in, in really a more healthy two way, you know, partnership mm-hmm. with customers. And that, that can be hard, really hard to do. But I've seen that when we don't do that, you know, it can go really badly. And, and sometimes, you know, if there's not kind of a, a two way street in the relationship, you know, it can, it can be a pretty lousy relationship. And, and so, you know, we try to kind of hold our, our, our partners, our clients to that standard. And, and, and frankly, when things don't go right, you sort of see, you know, you see what the other side is made of in many ways, right? 
the thing that came out in the pandemic, obviously. And and so, you know, that's that's a little bit maybe counterintuitive in a sense from a customer customer experience perspective, but I do think that it is a relationship. And so kind of nurturing that and and you know, committing to doing our best, but at the same time, you know, having an, ex- an expectation that it's a it's a partnership. Absolutely. And and I think what when I, I, I listen to all that, I'm I'm agreeing violently because, you know, it being in an organization that supports customers, I try to remember what it was to be a customer. And when I was a customer, I tried to remember what it was to be on the partnership side. But you know, you remind me that in the end, we're all people. And this is really about people and all the things that you just talked about are truths of all of the people in our lives. And I think when we get the partnership piece right, it's because we remember that we're all people doing the best we can with what we have, right? And finding some grace for one another. So I I think that's a a really great reminder for everybody, especially in today's world that's just so so pressure packed. So talked, we've covered a range of things today. I wonder if you could, and I deeply appreciate it, it's been great. I wonder if you could offer a single action or two that our listeners could take right now. Like they're done with this podcast and they go, you know, back to their desk or they flip a tab to the next thing that they're doing. What, like, what's an action that they can take right now that would really help them create better customer experiences? I think, I mean, this is a simple one and people should probably do it anyway, but, but, you know, I think really learning your customer's business and kind of behaving with that empathy, right, is critically important. I think so much of what we do as marketers, you know, can kind of, and, and, you know, the, the, longevity in a career and stuff really boils down to curiosity and trying to sort of understand things and understand things from the other side's perspective, whether that's a consumer buying your product or a customer, you know, or a client. And so I think a learning about all the different facets of their job, you know, oftentimes we see folks that grew up in, in agencies, you know, I've, I've many of them on my team, you know, sometimes they don't necessarily appreciate what it's like in-house, right? And kind of the, the complications and, and just the hurdles that you have to jump over constantly in-house to get anything done. For us as an agency, we kind of tried to be, a, a, you know, a speedboat and move quickly and be nimble. You know, clients often don't have that. And so, you know, sometimes for, for for my team, I, you know, encourage them to really try to understand like a day in the life, right? Like sometimes, you know, has, mm-hmm. so just, just taking that step of, of learning their business, what their experience is like, you know, who their boss is, who their boss's boss is, what they're, you know, what they're graded on, what kind of their success metrics are, how you could put wins on the board for them. And really just, just understanding, I think, you know, as much as you possibly can about, you know, their side and, you know, just kind of, as you, as you mentioned, you know, it's a human to human, it's a relationship thing. And so I think kind of working through empathy, right. And, and, and really sort of understanding what they're dealing with and, and how you can be of service and kind of that like egoless approach, I think really counts for a lot, right? And you can learn a lot and 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 frankly be more effective just understanding what mm-hmm. you know it's like in the other person's shoes and kind of the pressures and challenges they deal with that frankly they probably won't ever tell you about, right? You know, and so yeah, that's a one simple step. <laughs> No, I, I appreciate that. It's it's simple, but it's there's a, a place that you have to be willing to go, right? Like empathy is a, a decision I think that you have to make to have and, and to do the work. So I would hope that everyone is doing that as well, but I appreciate it as a reminder that it's probably a place to, to focus more. And so as we wrap up, my last question for you, because we've had such a great discussion and I personally want more, where can we follow your content? Wow. Well, you know, I'm like, I've gotten, I, I have a three-year-old daughter in the past few years. I've gotten terrible about posting. And so I, I, I've got to give a shout out to, to my agency, Praytel Agency, Praytel NY on, on Twitter and Instagram as well. We have some fun, really kind of quirky, loopy content. Some of it's also serious, you know, post a, a pretty regular content, you know, on the blog and stuff too, but but on social you can see kind of what it's like a day in the life at, at Praytel. Well, fantastic. Well, I so deeply appreciate your time and your thoughts and your willingness to have some of these uncomfortable conversations 
conversations with me. I'm sure that our listeners will as well. And so thank you so much for your time today. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'll have an uncomfortable conversation any day of the week with you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us today. I don't know about you, but I learned so much and I feel like now I need to go investigate Twitter lists. We look forward to having you join us again on our next Titans of Customer Engagement podcast. Thanks for spending time with us today on Titans of Customer Engagement, a customer experience podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, leave us a review, and spread the word. Your feedback means a lot to us. Continue the conversation on Koros Atlas at community.koros.com. Until next time. The CX world is now digital first. It's what customers expect, and Koros can help. Koros is an award-winning customer engagement platform built to turn those siloed interactions with your customer into enterprise value. You can harness the power of human connection across the customer experience, from outbound marketing, social, messaging, chat, and SMS, to owned and digital communities. Customer engagement means staying always connected. Find out how customer-first software and services can make you a titan of customer engagement at koros.com.